Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. This is Community Update on Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Good morning, I'm John Hoffman. Advocates are still rallying for Portage Manor, a St. Joseph County-owned residential care facility, which some officials have recommended close. Organizers from Save Portage Manor talked to the county council this week about ways to keep the doors open. Some St. Joseph County officials argue the cost is just too high to keep Portage Manor open. Those who support the facility say closing it would cost the taxpayers more in the long run. With the final decision on Portage Manor looming, supporters aren't giving up yet. Monday night organizers of Safe Portage Manor, community, and even council members all collaborated at a town hall. One of the group's leaders, who has a family member at the home, says it's not too late to keep brainstorming ideas of how they can keep it open. What we would really like to see is this process slow down a little bit because we don't believe that all the avenues have been researched yet. Signs address the financial concerns, arguing cutting Portage Manor's funding will only push costs onto the county's hospitals, mental facilities, and homeless shelters. He also says the driver of all this effort is for those who live there, like Mark Huffman, who this month will have been at the facility for 33 years. I'm one of those that knows what it's like not to have a place that they call home. Huffman says through all the challenges and different living situations he's faced over the years, he's never had a home like Portage Manor. With this being like a family to all the people there, we just want to ask them not to break us up. County Councilman Brian Tanner will vote on this decision next week. He says the movement of the resolution to close the facility has been rushed and it's worth looking at the financial impact of closing the facility, which he says could cost upwards of $3 million, versus investing that money into a path forward. Uh, but what they haven't included is, what about the next resident tomorrow in these facilities like Portage Manor? The county council is set to make a final decision on the future of Portage Manor on the 14th. WSBT 22's Anne Lurie reporting. A major change is being proposed for families in South Bend's Empowerment Zone schools. Zone leaders want to transition to a balanced calendar. Some call this year-round schooling. South Bend's Empowerment Zone was created in 2019 as a way to turn around the failing schools. Zone leaders say this school calendar proposal could boost student academic achievement, eliminate summer learning loss, and decrease teacher burnout. Three. This is sixth grade math class at Navarre Middle School. There's a negative positive. Math teachers Amber Dietz and special ed teacher Amber Fisher tag team to help the kids grasp the concepts. They notice after long breaks, these kids need more help. We see typically about a semester loss. That means these teachers spend a lot of time reteaching. The first week or two, we try to make up some of that, but Some of it's just gone. A new proposal by Empowerment Zone leaders seeks to shorten summer break and also offer more instructional intervention to students who fall behind. I'm just asking folks to be open-minded. Empowerment Zone Chief Davion Lewis and other school leaders have been doing town halls and surveying families and teachers about what next year's school calendar should look like. This town hall was held in February and streamed online. The model that we are proposing is called a 45-15 balanced calendar. 
Zone leaders want to stretch out the school year. Kids would still go to school for 180 days, but in the zone, they would start the school year on July 31st, go to school for nine weeks, and then take a three-week break, and do that for every quarter of school. Summer break would be five weeks. This is what a balanced calendar that we're proposing will look like in a calendar version. So I know it's very tempting to call it year-round schooling. It's, it's not quite that. It is what it's called, a balanced calendar, where you're balancing the days and the breaks evenly over the course of the year. Lewis says adjusting the zone's school calendar in this way will allow more breaks for educators and staff. And he says during the break, struggling students will be able to get additional supports and targeted interventions to help eliminate learning loss. For parents concerned about childcare, Lewis says the schools will offer day camps. Not only could this be good for kids, but it could really be beneficial for the adults who have to be in front of your kids and take care of them for eight hours a day. Once you live it, you love it. Empowerment Zone leaders have been working with David Hornack. He's the executive director of the National Association for Year-Round Education. The pandemic has has uh, intensified the interest, and I am helping districts across the nation conceive what this looks like in their learning communities. Hornack recommends districts draft a calendar that meets the needs of their own learning community by looking at the last few years of attendance and scheduling breaks at points that attendance of students and teachers tends to dip. This calendar tends to be viewed as being more humane. You work really, really hard for a period of time, and there's a scheduled break. Wernack's research shows balanced calendar adjustments improve teacher morale and student learning. Let's use the 180-day school year more efficiently by shortening summer, adding additional breaks, inserting what, you, what is called intercession, which is that academic um, remediation and or enrichment period during a scheduled school break for select students and then you can all of a sudden give a student what they need in real time. A main goal of the zone is to strengthen academic outcomes for students. When the zone was created, Navarre had failing accountability grades from the state. While improvements have been made, there is still a long way to go. What kind of feedback have you heard? Good, bad, mixed? mixed. It's been mixed. Lewis admits not everyone is on board. At town halls and online, there have been questions and concerns. He says he's working hard to address those and will not make a decision that isn't supported by the feedback. So we have a choice. We can continue to do the same thing, getting the results that we've always gotten, or we can try to do something different and see if we get different results. I've heard both. I've heard from some other colleagues. Some like it, some don't. Um, I actually would like it. Dietz and Fisher are excited about the possible schedule change. Both say it would be better for them professionally and better for their students. I'm for it. No decision has been made. Lewis says he'll post all the feedback he receives online before he makes a recommendation to the zone board in April. WSBT 22's Kristen Bean reporting. What could be a good sign for Mullen Automotive could also be a good sign for St. Joseph County. The startup electric vehicle manufacturer will now be the exclusive provider for a new class of electric cargo vans for the federal government. And while they won't be made here, Mullen is also set to produce three types of electric vehicles at the former AM General site in St. Joseph County. The chamber says the partnership reflects the growth by Mullen in the electric vehicle industry, something St. Joseph County has put a lot of effort into being a part of. They also say Mullen is in a better position than other EV businesses that have tried to fill the site previously, noting Mullen has a broader focus 
which chamber officials say is a good thing as electric vehicles are a competitive market. The chamber believes today's announcement is a good sign for the company and supports their efforts to bring EV business to the county. We've wanted to be part of the jobs of the future and the fact that we're in this conversation for a potential large electric vehicle battery plant on the west side of the county, for an alkogen expansion on the west side of the county in the EV space, now Mullen on the east side of the county, really solidifies us as this part of this future economy, gives us a little cluster, if you will, that we can even work on developing a workforce and attracting other future users. Ray says while the site was purchased by Mullen months ago, production for these vehicles here in St. Joseph County is expected at the end of 2023 or beginning of 2024. WSBT 22's Anne Larie reporting. We're on daylight saving time this morning, so if your clock doesn't show a few minutes past seven, you forgot to change it last night. But a bill in Congress could end the business of spring forward, fall back for good. Last year, Florida Senator Marco Rubio introduced the Sunshine Protection Act, and we talked about that would make daylight saving time permanent. Now, it passed unanimously in the Senate, but it stalled in the House. But regardless of what side you stand on this bill, it's a heavily debated topic to change the clocks or to not. Daylight saving time can be a pretty heated topic and whether it's beneficial. You got to change bedtime routine. You got to change getting to school and church. And it's just, I don't know. I don't see the point in it at all. Leanne Juhas is a parent of two and knows the struggles of getting her kids out the door for the day. Throw in the time change that comes with daylight saving time beginning. And for her, it creates a mess of problems. They're tired because the time changed. And so... Everyone's just grumpy and tired. <laughs> but imagine not having to deal with a time change anymore. Last week, a bipartisan group of senators reintroduced the Sunshine Protection Act, which would make daylight saving time permanent. Daylight saving time was first introduced as an energy conservation effort, shifting more daylight to the end of the day and less at the start. With the later sunrise in the morning, that definitely plays a factor into how I'm getting out in the morning and how I'm starting my day. <laughs> If daylight saving time becomes permanent, Michiana would experience nearly five months of sunrises after 8 a.m., with the latest sunrise happening in early January at around 9-11 a.m. However, that means that sunsets would no longer occur before 6 o'clock p.m. Hannah Francis with South Bend Venues Parks and Arts is responsible for planning events in South Bend. Later wintertime sunsets would likely impact some of her events. But yes, a lot of times we love to do stuff with light, with fireworks, all that sort of stuff. So we, we do tend to do a lot of programming after dark. We've reached out to our local lawmakers for response to this bill. Senator Todd Young said that he plans to review the bill. And Representative Rudy Yockham says he will do the same if it makes its way into the House. WSBT 22's Lynette Grant reporting. Olivet AME Church in South Bend Avenue has been accepted to the Indiana Register of Historic Sites and Structures. It's a step toward the National Register of Historic Places. 153 years of service and history between these walls. Something Alma Powell, the chief steward at Olivet AME, knows well. And so when you think about South Bend being established at, or incorporated in 1865, and here in 1870 comes along this African-American community that says we're going to start a faith institution. So that's when Olivet started. Just five years uh, we were incorporated after the, uh, after the city of South Bend. And from there, the church was off and running in not only its faith efforts, but local involvement. Contributed to the local NAACP, marched for civil rights in the 60s, even President Johnson appointed an Olivet AME member to the nation's Civil Rights Commission. Uh, we were called the social and political 
uh, foundation for the colored community is the term they used back then. So anything that happened for the black community in South Bend happened at Olivet. Olivet is still active in the community, hosting a 5K, a clothing closet, and faith services. Those contributions now recognized by the state through the Indiana Register of Historic Sites and Structures. It's an exclusive list of properties that, that we feel are, are worthy of protection and worthy of, of being saved. The state register says the church could have made it for the architecture alone, but its social contributions were a significant plus. Powell says it's an honor to be recognized by Indiana and will keep holding faith they make it to the National Register. I think we're kept going by faith, but also just that pride in the fact that we belong to Olivet and what Olivet stands for in this community. The state and national register opened doors for grants for building repairs and workshops. The state register says the church should hear back on the national register within the coming weeks. Once again, WSBT 22's Anne Larie reporting. People who live near a proposed chicken farm just outside Dowajak are not happy about it. The blueprints show four barns and two manure storages for a total of 45,000 egg-laying chickens. The neighbors in Silver Creek Township are concerned about the smell, possible well water contamination, and noise. The Silver Creek Township board's hands are tied. They say that there's nothing they can do because of Michigan's right to farm. So any problems would need to be taken up with the chicken farm's owner or the state. Who's going to buy a property next to a commercial chicken operation? I can answer that. Not many people. The site for a multi-barn chicken farm is already being prepped on Bakeman Road south of M152. It used to be a gravel pit. While there are homes about a mile down the road from the site, they're just far enough away for the farm to be legally built. But I do want to bring it up that we need a plan of any issues with health and safety to the environment and the, the surrounding people of the community. Joel Lehman is the owner of Silver Creek Poultry. While he was not at the town hall, he says chickens are one of the less smelly livestock compared to cattle and hogs, and that each barn will house 11,250 birds on sawdust to help with the smell. Issues with groundwater being contaminated with feces and urea. Uh, the other thing that I have a concern is the quality of life of our, our township citizens here. Layman assures the nearby lakes and well water will not be contaminated with fecal matter because the chickens will be on concrete. He also says the manure will be cleaned out once a year, which he argues limits the smell and be stored in the manure barns. The placement is unfortunate, but unfortunately the way the law is set up with right to farm being so strong, they trump everything that any of us do as long as they fill in their blanks. Kenrich says the environment, Great Lakes, and Energy, or EGLE, will step in if data shows the water becomes contaminated, but it's reactive, not proactive. Once the lake is compromised, it doesn't go back. You have chemicals, you have turbidity issues, you have algal blooms. Layman says construction could begin in the summer, assuming the sitting application is approved by MDARD. People at the town hall tell me that they plan on writing a letter to the state, hoping it can step in. WSBT 22's Paige Barnes reporting. Views and opinions expressed are those of the individual speaking and do not necessarily reflect the views of WSBT Radio, its staff or management. Join us next week for Community Update on Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Hey, 
everyone. Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 